0: Welcome to the Indy Matters Podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter most to Nevada. I'm John Ralston, the editor of the Nevada Independent. Today, we'll be talking to the new head of Planned Parenthood here in Nevada. Megan Messerly will join me for the questions. Elizabeth Thompson, our managing editor, is on vacation, so no one will be here at the end to counter my opinions. As if there are any counters to my opinions. A reminder if you like us, rate us on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher. Tell your friends, even tell your enemies. Tell people you see on the street. We appreciate it. Let's get started first with my recap of some of the week's headlines from the Nevada Independent. A highlight of the week on the site has been Jackie Valley's five-part series on Sunrise Acres, Las Vegas Elementary School. By spending so much time there during the school year, Jackie was able to capture the ups and downs, inspirations, and heartbreaks of a struggling school that has greatly improved. So many wonderful vignettes provide a template for what occurs not just there, but in so many local schools and schools elsewhere as well. I hope you take the time to read it. We also had two of our reporters, Michelle Rendell's and Luce Gray, down at the border this week to report on Senator Catherine Cortez Masto's visit. They not only wrote several stories, but posted a number of Facebook Lives you can still see. Michelle and Luce also crossed over into Mexico and talked to some folks who had been deported. Look for that story on the site very soon. Our D.C. correspondent Humberto Sanchez was busy this week getting reaction on Supreme Court decisions and the imminent vacancy created by Anthony Kennedy's retirement announcement. Nothing that unexpected from the delegation, although Congressman Ruben Keewen did say he hoped Governor Brian Sandoval will be named to replace Kennedy. That has about as much chance of happening as me sounding podcast smooth. Late in the week, Attorney General Adam Laxalt released his school safety plan. It's a Expensive and vague with some useful suggestions from law enforcement. No mention of arming teachers. He'll submit it to lawmakers and the governor, who you may remember once called what Laxalt was doing redundant because the governor had convened his own task force. We'll be back in a moment on Indy Matters with the head of Planned Parenthood in Nevada. Welcome back to Indy Matters, the podcast on in Nevada Independent. We're back with Lindsey Harmon and Megan Messerly, reporter from the Independent. Lindsey Harmon was announced just 10 days ago as the new executive director of Nevada Advocates for Planned Parenthood Affiliates. She comes to that job after working as a broadband policy expert for the state. Lindsey Harmon, welcome to Indy Matters. Thank you. So, I'll let I'll let Megan do the heavy lifting here, but let me just start. I think some people might wonder, wait, wait a second broadband policy matters for the state. Now she's the head of Planned Parenthood. That's a strange career path, no?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know, I feel passionately about women's rights and reproductive health. And so I came into this role with a background of knowing how the government works on kind of that side of the wall. And so I think that, you know, my background in nonprofit management has really allowed me to kind of get into a position where I'm prepared to take on the hard issues and uh, fight the good fight, uh, along with so many other women that have... Gone before me. So, when you,
0: when you say nonprofit management, just mm-hmm. give folks who are listening just an idea of, of what you were doing for the state. I just mentioned generally what. you Yeah, were
1: doing. sure. So, I was the executive director, um, and we were for um, Connect Nevada, which was an organization that went out into rural communities, and um, geared up and engaged rural rural citizens in. Developing their own technology future, so we developed network plans for them. Um, we supported policy developments that would broaden the the um, reach of broadband out into rural communities. So primarily working in rural.
0: Do you think, in your new role, you're going to be welcome in any of those rural communities anymore?
1: Absolutely, I think I'll be welcome in in, in that role. And I think that rural Nevadans, um, you know, just as much as anyone else, need access to healthcare. And I think that's an issue that uh, crosses um, party lines. And and. And can impact roles in a meaningful way. Megan? So I think,
2: you know, the big thing on everyone's mind, obviously, is the election. We just got through the primary. Um, you know, there's not much of a break. We're already sort of headed into general election season. There's not been a calm before the storm. So I think ev- the thing everyone's wondering is how involved can we expect to see Planned Parenthood be here in Nevada over the course of the election?
1: Um, I think Planned Parenthood is taking a leadership role, uh, particularly with the announcement um Coming from the Supreme Court and the the retirement of uh, Justice Kennedy, we now see um, this election as pivotal. Um President Trump and Mitch McConnell now hold the balance of the Supreme Court in their hands. They have made commitments to put anti-choice candidates into that place. And so we know that we need to unseat Dean Heller in this election cycle. We need to delay the vote until after the election. And we need to prove to Washington that Nevada is a pro-choice state. Um, and we have a strong history of reproductive um rights and freedom for women in this state and so that's that's our aim. Before we jump into the election more, we should talk
2: about um, Justice Kennedy's decision this week to retire and and what that means. Obviously, there have been a lot of conversations. Um, he's been a swing vote on the court, especially with some you know issues when it comes to abortion. Um, what's what are the conversations that that you all are having internally about what this means and what sort of the next steps are, both nationally and here in Nevada?
1: Yeah, make no mistake, um, abortion rights are on the ballot, and Nevada is the pivotal race to determine. Who- who takes over the Senate, and who is going to appoint the next justice. And we know that Senator Heller, um, based on his record, you know he's voted nine times to defund Planned Parenthood. He was uh, voted to repeal the Affordable Health Care Act. Um, and so we know he is not on our side, and he is a dangerous choice for Nevadans, particularly in a pro-choice state. Um, and so we are standing firm, firmly behind Jackie Rosen in the Senate race. And, and that's where You know, Napa's focus really is is to unseat Heller and to um, make sure that you know Adam Laxalt also doesn't see the governor's office.
0: You, you mentioned, uh, uh, since let's stick with Kennedy for a while and the implications of, of all that, to delay the vote until after the election, abortion <laughs> rights is on the ballot. That is a real long shot, is it not? I mean, there's no way, right. because of the way the rules have been changed, the, the Republicans just need a majority. You need to actually get Republican votes. Uh, I, I think it's unlikely you'll get Dean Heller's uh, vote to, uh, to, to, to stop a nomination. Uh, is that what Planned Parenthood's focus is? To to try to get someone like a Susan Collins or a Lisa Murkowski. What, what is the focus? I think I I
1: think the statement that it's a long shot it would have been would have been an accurate statement in any other administration. I think we have seen long shots up and down since Trump has been elected. So um, I think that we consider this uh, appointment critical to our mission, critical to the advancement of that. Um, you know, Planned Parenthood is engaged at all levels. So they are focused on the Senate race. We are focused very much on the governor's race. Um, and, you know, Nevada is a, a standout in women's reproductive rights, and we really need to set the stage for, for what's going on um, nationally. Sure.
0: Well, that was a very artful way to repeat everything that you said earlier, but not to tell me <laughs> exactly what what, what you're going to – I mean, you don't really think that you can stop this nominee from going forward without pressuring a Republican to vote, right?
1: Yeah, and I think nationally at that level, yes, absolutely. I mean, we are looking for any opportunity to not get a candidate in there who we know is anti-abortion. So we are pulling out all the stops.
0: You know, it's interesting. You, you, you mentioned Dean Heller and voting uh, nine times. I'll let Megan jump back in in, in, in a second. Uh, I seen a piece of videotape where Dean Heller says, I support Planned Parenthood. I I don't know if you've seen that uh, piece of tape, Lindsay Hammer but he supports Planned Parenthood. Why wouldn't you support him? Um, he backtracked the following
1: day. <laughs> so um, we just know that he doesn't represent Nevadans, that he bows down to the special interest groups. Um, and, and Aren't he- you a
0: special interest group?
1: We absolutely are. But um, he bows down to special inter- interest groups on the opposite side. <laughs> so, yes. And I mean, we're out there fighting for reproductive rights and women's choice. So, you know, and, and women's health care on, a, on a just a basic fundamental level. And so in that case, yeah, I mean, we have, we have real skin in the game, um, but we also want to expand access for all women to the health care they desperately need. So...
0: I promise I'll let you jump in in a second, Megan. I said one, <laughs> one, one, one more question. Megan never believes me when I say, once I take the mic, <laughs> that, I, never, that I actually i You'll like, never give it back. That actually, you know, you mentioned that we're a pro-choice state, mm-hmm. and 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 Nevada did, uh, uh, almost 30 years ago now, essentially embed its its abortion rights statute, and it can only be changed uh, by a vote of the people. Uh, I'm not sure that I have, and I'm wondering if you have seen any recent polling in Nevada. Have you done any polling? Have you seen any about how people in Nevada feel about the— the issue of abortion?
1: Well, I know there are two things that we can draw on in this scenario. There is a health study done by, I believe, the Washington Post that looked at um, what the single kind of nexus was for people voting. Um, And it was the the issue of choice. So in that scenario, I think we're proving that, you know, choice is wildly popular. I also think if you look at Joe Hex race, he lost that race based on exit polls, predominantly because of his position on choice. So we do know that in Nevada, um, recently, it is a motivating factor. And we know that the state stands firmly behind that.
0: In case anyone uh, listening doesn't know, Joe Heck was the Republican nominee for the Senate, lost to uh, Catherine Cortez Masto in 2016. Megan,
2: I wanted to ask about, you know, I think people have a vague understanding of sort of the services Planned Parenthood provides, but one of the things that we've we've heard come up over the years in debates about, um, you know, whether to continue funding Planned Parenthood or not, some of the Republicans have suggested, well, we have these federally qualified health centers, maybe we should give the money to them. They could provide some of these women's health services. I know some of the federally qualified health centers here in Nevada, you know. Provide some of the the basic preventative care services for women. What does Planned Parenthood do that's different, and why why continue to fund Planned Parenthood instead of these other federally qualified health centers?
1: Sure. So Planned Parenthood occupies around forty percent of all the services that, if you if you wrapped around you know all the health centers um, that do that s- similar work, um, and so we are a huge part of that conversation. Um, just. From a you know just from a or an organization's perspective, we our primary um, service that we offer is contraceptive care. So I think that that gets lost in the conversation a lot of the time. We also do STI testing and um, you know and care in that capacity. Abortions represent about three percent of our care. Um, so it is it's a it's a comprehensive health care story that I think sometimes gets lost, um, and that's why you know we are. in in my organization predominantly is so focused on the work that we're doing this election cycle because we know we need the leadership in place to continue that care um, and to, you know, make sure that we're moving candidates like Jackie Rosen and Steve Sisolak forward. So, yeah. So as, as far, though, as thinking about, you
2: know, the, the services that you do provide, I know, obviously, federally qualified health centers don't offer abortion, but they can offer some of these preventative services. So, I mean, is there is there a universe in which, you know, they could they could take on some of these responsibilities as well? As well? Obviously, you know, y- you all yeah. want to keep providing the services that you do. But but just I'm, I'm interested if you could sort of map out for, sure. for people what what really makes you all different than just sort of your average federally qualified health center?
1: I, you know, this is not an us versus them scenario. Um, we support anyone who offers services to women um, and supports, you know, reproductive rights and, and, and moves that needle in a positive direction. So, you know, from our perspective, we love our community health organizations and partners in, in the, the good fight in, for health care equity and access. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't see it as an us versus them. Sure.
2: And then the other thing I wanted to ask about, um, and I did some reporting on this a couple of months ago, but that's the Teen Pregnancy Prevention Program and sort of some of the educational services that Planned Parenthood offers. Um, there was this this grant and some, some folks in Nevada, including um, the Planned Parenthood here, were able to sort of offer some sex education to people in the community. Um, the Trump administration made a decision to end that uh, funding two years early. The court recently ruled that they couldn't do that. They need to continue offer funding um, but now a big conversation I know that Planned Parenthood on a national level is having um, is about what the Trump administration is trying to do with this program, which is to direct um, some of these programs to be more abstinence-based and moving them away from sort of these evidence-based um, programs, which they've had to be in the past. Um, I mean, how do you see the future of this program continuing and, and how core is sort of sex education with you know, youth and young people? How crucial is that to sort of the mission of Planned Parenthood as a whole?
1: So I think, um, you know, you know I represent NAPA, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with the services that Planned Parenthood does offer. I think we see preventative care as step one in the conversation about women's health care and, and rights. Um, I would say that in this scenario, I think we recognize that, that the Trump administration is trying to take funding away any way they can. Um, and it, he has a very obvious agenda. He... Um, you know, candidates that we have in state have parlayed to Trump's agenda as well. So for us, we know that you know any opportunity they have to to take money from our organization, they're going to do. Um, and so we just continue the good fight, and we are not going to give up any of our services or any of um, or or compromise on our mission in any
0: capacity. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about what people might not know, which is Planned Parenthood's presence in Nevada. And I mean actual physical presence. Tell people, I mean, how many clinics do you have? Are, are, are you, You're in the urban areas? You're in the rural areas? Mm-hmm. Give us a sense.
1: So Planned Parenthood currently has two health centers in Las Vegas and one in Reno. Um, and so they do, you know, a variety of services. But that's we don't have any um, health centers in rural Nevada. Why is that? I think it's a funding issue. We would love to serve rural um, Nevadans um, in any capacity. We're consistently looking for ways to expand services. Um, it's just a matter of funding and, and, and moving out into those
0: communities. So, You know, Planned Parenthood has long contended and used the figure that you used today, which is that only 3% of what you do uh, is, is, is related to abortion. But certainly, I, 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 I'm wondering how, how, how you react to this. Certainly, there's been an attempt— some of it may be self inflicted too, to hurt Planned Parenthood's brand over the last mm-hmm. few years. There there have been some revelations that have hurt Planned Parenthood, there was the constant attempt by those who don't agree with your mission to make it seem like abortion is 97% instead of of, of 3%. What what about the brand of the organization? Do you think where is it now and what can you do to help? That's
1: an excellent question. I think there is more equity in our brand than there has ever been before. And I think if you look at the races within the state of Nevada, you are seeing candidates come out strongly in support, not of women's reproductive rights. um, They're coming out in support of Planned Parenthood. Um, Steve Sisolak, in particular, has come out in one of his very first campaign ads and said, I support Planned Parenthood, and continues to uh, to say that message. And so I think Planned Parenthood overall is is really gaining some traction in our brand. And, and we are a name that people associate with women's health care and reproductive rights across the board.
0: So let me play devil's advocate with you for just a second there on, <laughs> on the Sisolak part of it. Uh, you're chuckling because you figure that's what I do for a living, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Steve Sisolak, I think, actually ended up, and correct me if I'm wrong, but ended up running two ads uh, with Planned Parenthood, including one at the end, uh, both of them with his daughters, uh, essentially saying that his daughters made him aware of this. And they, they had to essentially remind him in the in, in the last. That I think, and and he said, oh yeah, 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 some something like that, Uh, and and at the risk of getting angry phone calls from Steve Sisolak or his team, do you think that was just a primary? I need to go as far to the left as I can and show that I that I believe in this, or or do you have some evidence? Have you talked to him uh, about these issues? Do you believe he's for real on Planned Parenthood's issues?
1: I don't have personal conversations with the candidates, but I can tell you that I, I believe he's sincere. I think women are consistently reminding people that Planned Parenthood is important. And so in that in that scenario, I think that was a perfect example of women's role in the conversation. Um, I don't think that you can, once you've got a Commercial, there's there's really no backing down from your support. Politicians never never
0: change, never change their positions. Uh, You've never t- <laughs> heard of that before. I, I, I
1: yeah, you're right, John. But this was a very bold statement with a very clear message supporting Planned Parenthood. He could have come. He could have come out and said, "I support women's health care," but he said, "I support Planned Parenthood," and so for that reason, we we know that Steve Sisolak is the candidate we're behind um, in the race, particularly in light. Of Laxalt's anti-choice um, record and his recent you know statements on K O L O he's he's not the right candidate for us and we know that he's um, now backed away from those but it doesn't seem he doesn't seem to have a really good understanding on um, you know our historical relevance in the state and how important choice is to Nevadans.
2: I mean, so thinking about the issues you represent, I mean, women's health. Has become very politicized, right? It often can fall along party lines. You know there are pro-choice Republicans and, and Democrats that aren't supportive of abortion, so there is some crossover. But largely, this this can become a very partisan issue. Do you think that Planned Parenthood is seen as as too political and too aligned with the left? I mean, the candidates you're endorsing here in Nevada this cycle, Steve Sisolak, Jackie Rosen, are Democrats.
1: Yeah, so I think especially in Nevada, we have a strong um, history of having pro-choice Republicans be both supportive and engaged in our in our organization. Um, we know that that's the most important um, work we do is for women, regardless of your party line. But in this state in particular, and in this election, we know there are clear choices. Um, I think Planned Parenthood would love to be out of politics for the rest of our existence, Um, but we have been pulled into the fight, and so we stand behind the things that we know are are right for our constituents, and that's why we're here and fighting the good fight, and Nevada is an important state for us.
2: Do you do you get a lot of outreach from, you know, Republican pro-choice candidates or people, you know, wanting sort of I don't know if people ever come to you saying, you know, I want to get involved with Planned Parenthood. I'm a Republican, but I'm passionate about, you know, choice and it, they want to get involved. Does that happen? Does that yeah sure. commonly?
1: I uh, one of our board members is Sue Wagner and she, you know, was very, a very uh Pro-choice Republican. I don't very think involved. she's a
0: Republican anymore. She's
1: not anymore. Back she was when uh, she was supporting uh, Planned Parenthood. She's been a, a long time supporter before for either of you time. were born, <laughs> by the way. Right. And so yeah, in that in those scenarios, we do and and we are welcome. You know, we would welcome that kind of a conversation um, because we do know that Planned Parenthood is very popular in the state. We have sixty percent support us, um, and sixty percent are, are pro-choice. So we know that this is a a very a state where we have the support that we need.
2: Mm-hmm. And talking about pro-choice Republicans, I mean, going back to the governor's race, obviously we have, you know, Governor Sandoval in office who is a pro-choice Republican, um, you know, facing a possible new paradigm with, with Attorney General Adam Laxalt, who's obviously a very different sort of candidate. Um, you know, you're going to be very involved in, in that race. But um, I mean, w- what are what are you guys thinking about looking at, obviously we're still focused on the election, but thinking about the next legislative session and and what could happen if, if you know, if there's a Republican, if there's um, Adam Laxalt in that you know, in the in the Governor's mansion in the capitol, what is that how does that change sort of your your guys's focus?
1: Yeah, so I think we draw out both scenarios. Um, we as an organization are very proactive um, in the in the you know, in a scenario we where we believe we can advance women's health care and reproductive rights in a scenario uh, where we're not. Um we know that we need to be, you know, on the defense and out there supporting those those in nineteen ninety when we passed Um, the ballot measure to protect uh, the right to an abortion in the state of Nevada, it passed overwhelmingly. Um, And so we know that that, you know, based on Laxalt's statements recently, that that's something that we are going to have to protect. Um, And so I think that'll probably be our primary focus. Um, And so, yeah, I think we've drawn out both scenarios, but we're pretty confident that, you know, Steve Sisolak is the candidate for us and he is going to advance into the governor's office
0: you know it's interesting because you've mentioned it now twice you've alluded to these comments that Laxalt made to, 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 uh, to a reporter from from uh, northern nevada terry russell uh, he, she interviewed him it was really a, a kind of a, a, an amazing interview in the sense that she interviewed him i think right after he had won uh, the primary and asked him about uh, 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 about the issue of abortion and mentioned the referendum in 1990 which it seemed clear to me he he knew nothing about but m- maybe i was reading that incorrectly but he what he did say and she sa- and she said you can't change it unless by and he said we're, we're looking into we're going to look into that words uh, to that effect and the next day his campaign first said it was taken out of context then said he couldn't hear over it and then Colo to their credit posted the entire video and it and, and so it's very very crystal clear so I understand why you'd be concerned about that but let, but let me again play devil's advocate it doesn't matter. Let's say that your numbers are right and that 60 percent uh, of, of Nevada's pro-choice. I think that referendum in, in, in 1990 passed two to one. If I if I remember correctly, it was even more overwhelming than that. So what? The governor can't do anything, uh, even if he were to say we should have a vote of the people. So what? This issue really isn't an issue. You you should get a job in another state, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm uh, yeah, I'm
1: I'm glad you feel that way. I
0: think uh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, what what about that point that I'm making though? It really isn't an Issue because and what would happen in 1990? In case people don't know, they cemented the abortion rights statute. In by, by it was it, it was a it was an effort by pro-choice advocates here uh, to cement this, and so it could couldn't be changed. You cannot limit abortion rights here in this state uh, unless you do it by a vote of the people. It's done.
1: Right. Well, based on Adam Laxalt's record, we. Have every indication that he could very well pursue a ballot measure, and from my perspective as a Nevada taxpayer, that's an incredible waste of tax dollars. If that's the case, I mean, I think that the the it would pass overwhelmingly now, um, maybe even more so than it did in 1990. But um, you know, it's a it's a, a clear statement. He, he also in that same interview said that he errs on the side of li- of life, which for us is not. Uh, that's not a clear indication of, of what your position is on this issue. And at this point in the election, that's when the candidate needs to come out and, and tell Nevada voters what they really what their real issues are and where they really stand. And then he backtracked. The following day. So no one's really clear on where he stands. What I think is clear is that he does not represent Nevada's
0: interests. Uh, I think you should be heartened by the fact that his campaign realized what a mistake that was, and they backtracked because of uh, the, the polling that probably does exist showing that, that that an overwhelming majority of Nevadans are pro-choice. Now, I suppose as governor, he could propose some things that try to get around the edges of it, whether it's parental notification, mm-hmm. so things like that, which, which I would think would, would concern you. Are you just paying attention to these marquee races, the races for governor and the race for U.S. Senate, or are you meeting with legislative candidates as well to, to talk about these issues?
1: So, we work as part of a coalition um, for Win Justice, which is a group of four progressive kind of organizations Color for Change, uh, Plan, Immigrants, Vote, Win Nevada. And so, we are all currently on the independent expenditure side. So, we don't meet with the candidates, we aren't coordinating with them, but we're working to To kind of progress in in our mission and do the work there. So um, while I think there's a lot of conversations that need to happen, you know, whether uh, we right now we're looking at, you know, potentially having the Senate and Assembly run by women. And so what does that look like? And how can we influence legislation to support and advance our agenda? Um, And so those are they're all moving parts right now. Um, And so That's kind of where we're at on that process.
0: I'm going to let Megan jump in again, but I'm sure Megan picked up on this too. Perhaps you know something that Megan and I don't. The Senate and the Assembly could be run by women? Who are these women, and and, and 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 how are they going to be in the positions to be running those blazes? Uh,
1: well, we're looking. I mean, uh, we're looking at a majority of women running, uh, ah. uh, getting elected. Into sorry, not necessarily <laughs> helped
0: by women. Running, uh, yes,
1: that, uh, that we're looking at. Planned a majority Parenthood comes out against
0: Jason Fryer. <laughs> no, more, no, 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 and we're, no we're still. still Let me
1: make that clear. We're supportive <laughs> of our, our of our candidates, whether you're a, a man or a woman. But we we do see that you know the women's movement has made some incredible strides. And there are thirty-four thousand women running for office this, this election cycle and five hundred of which are running for top, you know, leadership positions. And so we see that as you know, in light of everything. A tremendous opportunity for Planned Parenthood as an organization, and for the women's rights movement as a
2: as a whole. So I'm wondering, just in you know thinking about the candidates who are running now, you know especially down ballot in the legislature, um, if if you started to think about sort of what what could what you might want to pursue in the next legislative session. I know obviously it's it's still early, but just thinking about what happened in 2017, there were um, you know the 12 month contraception, making sure that insurance companies could um, could fill a prescription for 12 months, or requiring them to fill a prescription for 12 months all at once, um, codifying some of the benefits from the Affordable Care Act, some of the preventative health care and other things that the Affordable Care Act provides, codifying that into state law. Um, Those were some big things Planned Parenthood supported during the 2017 session. Um, Just looking at the makeup of, you know, who's running right now. I mean, it looks looks pretty likely that that Democrats will have, you know, control. It's a question of how much control. Obviously, there's some swing seats in the Senate. Um, But have have you started thinking about what some of those priorities might be, um, you know, as you look at the candidates that are running and sort of their focus?
1: Sure, yeah, we're looking at expanding our family planning grants um, that, you know, were part of the last legislative session and making sure that we continue to fund those and expand those to places like rural Nevada, if need be. We're also looking at a lot of issues with Medicaid um, and seeing if we can't, you know, um, help or improve the rates that, that doctors across the board get reimbursed for Medicaid, particularly uh, for Planned Parenthood. So those are some of the issues that, you know, have come up that we are are looking at closely um, in kind of that proactive environment. Right. And those family planning grants, I believe, were created by Senator
2: Ivana Kinsella's bill that created that that vehicle for, for folks to be able to apply for this grant. So Planned Parenthood
1: or other organizations that provide those services could offer those, grant could Absolutely. those grants. Absolutely, yeah. So that's a family planning grant that anyone can apply for. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So we only have a couple minutes left. Um, maybe you can help people... Um, uh, kind of quantify what your role is going to be this time. And I don't know how much you can say about this. Maybe you don't even know. But what kind of resources are you going to be able to bring to bear to influence some, some of the political outcomes? Do you know?
1: Yes, I do. So as part of the coalition, we are spending just over a million dollars. Um, we are going to engage low propensity voters. Um, and we our aim is to engage them early through digital advertising. Advertising. Find out who interacts, and then train them to be advocates within their own communities and do door knocking, phone calls, um, peer-to-peer outreach. And so we're doing, and it's kind of different because we're doing it early and we're doing it often, and it's an attempt to engage voters under the age of 35 and women of color. Um, and so that's kind of where our focus is, and and with our partners, we're we're really organizing.
0: That's, that's really difficult. Low propensity voters. I mean, you, you described two cohorts right there. It's even more difficult than a midterm election, right? It's not a president, presidential year. But the Democrats, of course, had a disaster here in 2014 uh, when a lot of voters, not just low propensity voters, uh, didn't turn out. Why, why did, you, did you decide to focus on people who usually don't vote as opposed to making sure that the people who usually do vote actually do vote?
1: I think it's because we're looking at that motivating factor, right? We know that the motivating factor is going to be women's reproductive rights. And so as Planned Parenthood, we think that this is an opportunity for us to take a leadership role in the, the segment that maybe is a little bit harder to reach. We're also engaging them very early on. We know that um, with the women's movement that the, those low propensity voters who maybe hadn't voted before or, you know, s- only turn out in presidential elections are now really getting behind the big issues and you know one of that which is is choice in a state like nevada so we think that we can grab them
0: well we wish you the best of luck uh, in your new job thanks for uh, uh taking the time to come on indie matters today
1: thank you for having me
0: all right we'll be back in a minute That's all the time we have for this week's Indie Matters. A reminder, our podcast interviews are also available on KUNV, the university's radio station, at 8.30 p.m. on Thursdays. We love our UNLV partners. We want to know what you think about this podcast. If you have ideas, criticism, or yes, even praise, email us at ideas at the nvindie.com and check out the site. I'll mention it again, the NevadaIndependent.com. Rate us on iTunes and subscribe. You can also find us on Google Play and Stitcher. also want to thank Lindsay Herman for being here and for Megan Messerly for asking all those great questions. And I want to thank our wonderful hosts here at KUNV on the campus of UNLV. And as always... Many thanks to Joey Lovato, our fantastic producer, who makes us all sound... Podcast smooth. See, that's how you say podcast smooth. She really drew that one out. I almost stepped on it there. I'm John (laughs) Ralston. Thanks for listening to Indie Matters, and we'll talk to you next week.